you know what, it's probably best that I just be quiet and, and we welcome our speaker today, Pastor Tommy Falk Sr. Pastor, would you come? I love you. Thank you for being here. Hey, look, he's been in ministry a long, long time and he still only looks 45, okay? Oh, come on now. You go. Love you, bro. Hey, you know, when I started, I had hair. So, that, so he's correct when he says that, you know, a long, long, long time. Well, it's great to be with you on Father's Day. You can imagine, Pastor Mo, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I mean, I, what a great, you know, what a great privilege to be here and uh, to share with you this day. It really is a special day, and the, the wives, uh, the, the mothers really did have their time last month, you know. So this is our time, guys. This is our, our moment. Um, I was reading, Pastor Mo, some of the uh, just things about your dad. You know, I've met your dad a number of times over the years, you know, from district events, men's retreats, things like that. And so it was great to uh, meet him. But it talked about, you know, how he served in the Army. I'm thinking about my dad. You know, he served in the Navy. And, you know, those were men's men, right? You know, we, we, we had the ability to, uh, we're men. I, I believe we still have the potential, of course, to be men's men today. But we looked at them, and they really were. My father was. I know your dad was. Um, but what I loved is uh, he, you wrote about him, and it said that he had a couple of hobbies. One was LSU, right? And, uh, and two was uh, these young guys, Hayden and Hunter, right? You know, children are not hobbies, but, man, grandkids. Oh, my God. Any, grand, any grandparents in the room, you know what I'm talking about. You know, in your general fund, you have to raise your kids, right? But when grandkids, you have to have a special bank account just for grandkids. You know, we were driving up here, and Lisa says, you know, I, I didn't bring any gifts for the kids. I mean, every, every time we come, there's money and things like that. I'm like, baby, we just last week gave them things, you know. And, uh, but that's her, uh, you know, that's her. And, you know, uh, uh, Pastor Mo, your mom's name is Ida. You know, uh, Lisa's one of her favorite relatives. Her, one of her grandmothers was named Ida. And her, she has a, a younger sister named Ida. That's a favorite name for her. So we're in good company here today. And so we just want to stand with their family and just let them know, hey, how much they're loved, how much they're appreciated. Because the truth is, is that Pastor Mo and Ms. Chantel have been, they've been kind of parents to Tommy and Sarah and our grandkids. Uh, this church has loved on our kids, and you have loved on our kids, and you don't know how much that means to us. Well, I'm telling you now how much it means to us that this church loves on our family. It means a great, great deal to us. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. So let's talk about Father's Day today. Um, you know, my dad passed away about three and a half years ago. And uh, I want to tell you some things, uh, just uh, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of stories. But uh, when I was growing up, you see, as, as a father, and this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about God as our father and then Father's Day. When I was growing up, my dad, when I was young, we were six kids, but I had three older brothers, and then there was a break of about seven, eight years, and then me, my little brother, and then, my, then another 10 years, and my little sister when my mom was 40, 41 years old. And so there's six of us. Well, growing up, my dad traveled all the time. And when we were younger, uh, the family lived in New Orleans. I was born in New Orleans and Dallas, those areas. But my mom was so homesick that they came home, and my dad... Um, said, I'll do the traveling. And so his job took him away. And so for over 20 years, he, he worked away all week and would come home on the weekends. But on every Sunday, he'd say, son, you got to get my car ready for me so that I could travel. And he taught me how to check the oil. 
at six, seven, eight years old, how to open the hood, check the oil. Son, this is where you check the transmission fluid. This is how you do that. This is how you check the brake fluid. This is how you check the radiator. You know, they didn't have really reservoir tanks at that time. You know, you opened it up and you checked everything. And then he taught me how to do that and watch your hands when you're closing the hood. And he would teach me all of those things. You know what's interesting about that? You don't know how many young men in their 20s I had to teach them how to do those things in our day and age. You see, I had a dad that was willing to teach and say, I want to be a father to you. And I want to pour into you. And that's what our Heavenly Father does. He does those very, very, very same things. And, uh, you know, today I want to share some of those things with you. If you have your Bible or a device, any way that you want to look at the Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read a number of verses, and then I'll get right into the things that I wanted to say today. As we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, while you're turning there, uh, I want to go ahead and, and and set it up a little bit. Paul the Apostle is beginning to talk about his apostolic ministry as an apostle, but then there's a shift. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 17. At verse 14, there's a shift that takes place, and I'm telling you that so that when we read it, you can notice that. And this is part of what I want to talk about today. So let's just start reading together. I'll read uh, starting at verse 9. I'm in New American Standard. So it says, for I I think God has exhibited us apostles, last of all, as men condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but we are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. I think this is what Paul is saying about himself and the believers there at the church in Corinth. He says, to this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless. We toil, we're working with our hands, and we are reviled and we are blessed. But we are persecuted and we endure. And when we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, as the dregs of all things, even until now. Now, there's a shift that takes place. By the way, in my Bible, you can take a look at it, I have that marked out, and I have a question. So you want to be an apostle. A little different than what we call apostles today and who they call themselves. Verse 14, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. See this shift? Now look. For if you were to have countless tutors, some translations say 10,000 teachers, in Christ you would not have many fathers. For it is Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, you see, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Isn't that powerful? The Word of God is amazing. And so what I was trying to say is, is that there's a shift that takes place. Paul's talking about, hey, I'm an apostle. We do this, we do this, we do this. But then I am coming to share with you as beloved children. And there's a change of his attitude, what he's saying, and how he begins to say it. He begins to say, I've become your father in the Lord, in Christ Jesus. You know, over these last years, personally, and, and I have to say, uh, pers- uh, to my own demise, 
that I shied away from the spiritual father aspect because it had been so perverted and so abused, those statements, that I really didn't use that terminology. But you know what's terrible? Is that let the word of God stand on its own. That is a powerful thing. It's terrible that I took it out of my vocabulary just because of some people's abuse. But I want you to know here today that God says that there is such a thing. The word of God says there is there are fathers in the Lord. You know, Seth, as we met at, at a powwow, I got to speak at powwow one of the evenings on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, man, you're a father to many kids, aren't you? You see what I mean? In other words, the heart of the father, what God wants, Paul says, be imitators of me. And so I want to talk about that. There in verse, verse 15, it says, if you had countless or 10,000 teachers in Christ, you have not many fathers. You have not many fathers. How many of you know fatherhood is not easy? It is not for the fainted heart. It is for those who have backbone. It's for those who have courage. It is for those who refuse to run but are willing to stay and stay in the fight. And you see, we sang that song, you know, this is how I fight my battles. Man, I could hear the Holy Spirit speaking. Pastor Mo, Chantel, I could just hear God saying, This is how I fight my battles. The Bible says the battle is the Lord's. He said, this is how I fight my battles. It talks about surrounding. Psalm 125 talks about as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. Man, I got a a whole thing on that. The Lord just dropped in my heart some time back about that whole thing, how he surrounds us. So I want you to know that the battle is the Lord's. And man, last Sunday when I was here, I was just standing here in a worship time. By the way, it's really kind of wonderful to, to have, you know, be in a time where Tommy is leading worship. I miss that a whole lot. It's been beautiful being here. How many of you know that dad right here is pretty excited about his son leading worship and, and serving in church? And, of course, Sarah and the boys. And the boys have, you know, uh, such unique hearts, all three of them. If you get to know them, you understand that and how God is raising them up. And such a, a joy for us, you know. But he says, you have not many fathers, So let me go ahead and give you a comparison between fathers and teachers. Now, I want to clarify something here. He says, though you have endless teachers, you have not many fathers. Let me go ahead and and share something with you there. As the definition of that word teacher right there is, it means one who duplicates. It literally means in the Greek to carry kids to school. So I want you to know that he's saying you have Few fathers, but you have endless teachers. Now, that's not a teacher that necessarily has the heart of God because just a little later in those verses, Paul says, I teach the same in every church. What's he talking about? See, it's the same as found in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 where it talks about the five-fold ministry, where it talks about apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. Well, teachers is one of the callings of God, one of the five-fold ministry, Right? Well, that's the exact same word in the Greek that Paul says, I teach in every church. But this word where he says you have endless teachers, but you only have few fathers, that is an entirely different word. It means to be a duplicator. Now, let me show you the difference between a father and one who just duplicates. Here we go. A father is from birth. Come on, dads. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? When uh, our daughter, uh, Henry, is a little over two, that's our daughter and uh, son-in-laws, they're in Dallas. We were just with them last week and had kind of a father's time uh, last week. 
when, when Henry was born, I was in the waiting room. Lisa was with her in, in the back area in the hospital, and I heard this scream from this little baby that came out. I mean, way down in the hall, and I went, um, that's a falk. And sure enough, it was, it was Henry. And Henry, I mean, he is so precious. He is so, he is so wonderful. But you see, we were there from the birth. Are you get what I'm saying? In other words, fathers are there from the birth. Now remember, Paul is saying, though you have many teachers, you have not many fathers. Fathers know what it is from being from the beginning all the way to an end. A father, it's an investment for a lifetime. Come on, are you all with me? A father, he imparts lifelong truths. That's what a father does. A father knows what it is to give what he knows and to help his son or daughter, learn what they don't know. Let me, let me go ahead and give you some more. A father is willing to get their hands dirty. Let me tell you another story. I got, I got another story. So when I was uh, playing little, uh, uh, little League Baseball, between tournaments, you know, it gets hot out there. It's summertime. You're in between games. And they would put watermelons in ice chests. And that's when watermelons were $1.50 and they were this big. How many of y'all remember those days? Now it's $7 and they're like this. You can throw it like a football. Anybody with me? All right. Anyway, maybe I'm the only one, but man, I remember those days, right? And so they would have watermelon on ice chests and we would go in there. We'd be in the grassy areas, you know, the big park and we'd be in the grassy areas and man, they cut those watermelons open and you could hear it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The knife would go in and all of a sudden it would go... And you'd go, oh, yeah, watermelon. Come on. And so, and we would we'd eat that. Well, one day, I'll never forget, we were out there, and all of a sudden we heard this loud noise, a car coming around a big circle of the park, and it was going very fast. I watched my dad and a number of fathers come look at each other and go, let's go. Literally, that fast, there was no real long, there was no committee, there was no long-term discussion. It was being a father, what God places inside. My father and those men went in the street, grabbed hands, and stopped that man in that car. He actually kind of played a little chicken, realized they weren't going to move, and had to pull over into the grass not to hit them. Now, I remember that as a 12, 13, you know, 12-year-old, 11-year-old. It made that kind of mark on me. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. They went over to the door, went over to the window, made him roll his window down, And they clearly told him, you will not do that ever again here. And if you do, uh, you would rather not know what we're going to do to you. Now, those were men that were saying, we laid our lives down for our kids. That's not about bullying. That's not about trying to be something you're not. That's about saying, we are here to protect our kids. And you're not going to do those things right here. You want to do that? You go do that over there. You're not going to do that here. You see, a father is willing to get their hands dirty. Okay, a father is willing to walk through the journey with you from the beginning. So let me compare. Let me go ahead and do it now and compare the two. Is this okay? Are you getting anything out of this? It says a father is from birth. A teacher that we're talking about here, just a duplicator, is only for a moment. A father is an investment for a lifetime. A teacher only wants to invest for the here and the now. A father says, I want to impart lifelong truths to you. A teacher says, I just want to impart who I am into you. A father says, I want you to know what I know, and I want to help you learn what I don't know. 
a teacher only says, this kind of teacher says, I only want to teach you what I know. I just want to make you like me. A father says, I want to take you, I want to groom you. I want to bring you up to something that's greater than I could ever even imagine. A father wants to get his hands dirty where most, this kind of teacher, this duplicator right here says, I want to keep my hands clean. We can't get our hands dirty. And the father says, I will walk through this journey with you. Let me go ahead and describe journey to you. And fathers, go with me here. How about disappointments? Ever walked with your children through disappointments? Fathers, how many of you know what it is to walk with your kids through discovery? Man, Henry's two years old, two and a half about right now. And at two and a half, he's, how many of you know two and a half year olds? They're learning everything. I mean, everything. He, I gave him, listen to this, I gave him a grape. So I was eating some grapes. But because he wasn't in his special chair to eat, when I gave him the grape, he thought it was a toy. And man, he's looking at it. I watched him for 20 minutes stare at it, roll it. He, he took it, tried to see how it fit in his other toys. I'm serious. He, he, he didn't, see, he didn't view it as a piece of food because he wasn't in his chair. He thought it was a toy. And he took it and he would put his finger on it. He'd, he'd lay down on the floor and he'd go, and he'd roll it. And then he'd hold it and he'd, and I, I mean, I was amazed. I was totally in shock See, this is what it is to be with them in their discovery time. That's what fathers, that's why it's important to make the investment. Fathers, you want to be there with the discoveries. Anybody have been there with the defeats? How about in the victories? Ever been there in the tears? You see? And how about in the joys? You see, the journey, it's a journey. It's not just a moment where you say, I just want to give you something. I just want to teach you something. I just want you to become like me. And so what I want to do is I want to compare this in the sense of what Paul was talking about being an imitator. The other part of 1 Corinthians 4, it says, For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. Did you notice it doesn't say be a duplicator? You see, a duplicator teacher, what he's talking about right here, the definition, is where you just, it's cookie cutter stamping. See, when you're a father and have a heart of a father, It's not about just cookie-cutter kids. Is that true? Come on. It's about saying, I want to help develop who you are. I want to take who you are and your characteristics, you know. I mean, I think of of Asher, how tender-hearted he is. You know, he'll just, he'll just like, Papa, I love you. He he can just, I mean, he's so tender-hearted. If you look at him wrong and go, Asher, what are you doing? I I didn't mean to. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And Aaron's going, what? I'm out of here. You know, I mean, they're, they're, so, they're so on the <laughs> And Andrew's somewhere in between those two things, right? But we've had the, the joy of watching that, and we get to watch Tommy and Sarah raise those boys up in that way. But you see, that's the difference. Be imitators. See, that's what my father was doing when he was saying, Tommy, I want to teach you how to take care of the car. It's important that you imitate. And by the way, when you close the hood, it's important you imitate me because I'd hate for you to come back like this. You see, it's important to get the lesson. It's important to do it. Now watch this. But it's also important to get the Father heart of God in a matter. That is the big difference. You see, God calls all fathers, he truly calls all of us to have his heart in a matter. That's why Paul is saying, imitate me. 
It's the character of Christ, the nature of Christ. It is for all of us. This is a Father's Day message, but it is for all of us. It doesn't matter who you are here, young or old, male and female. It is for all of us to have the nature and the character of who Paul is. He says, imitate me as I imitate the Father. You see, in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, in that first part, he says, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, in the Lord. The implication is his son in the Lord, who I love, who is faithful to the Lord. In other words, what he said is, when you see Timothy, you've seen me. Timothy is going to represent me just like who I am. So when Timothy tells you something, it's just like me telling you. And that's what Paul was saying. He was saying, I do what I see my father do. And he says, now Timothy is going to do what he sees me do. And that's what you're getting. That's the quality of ministry. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, be imitators just as I imitate Christ. And see, this is the importance of this message, and this is what I, I really want you to get. In John 5, 19, and I believe we have that up here, I want you to see this. Many of you have read these verses, heard it preached, and, and so have I for many years. Verily, verily, I say to you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now, in all the years that I've heard that verse, even in my own thinking, I've always looked at that from a sheer obedience perspective. Jesus was obedient to his father, right, Pastor Mo? He was obedient to his father. But now that I'm 60, I've really been able to see this in a different light. You see, sons like being like their father. Now, Pastor Mo, I've, I've watched the, man, the boys, I mean, you know, they're <laughs> this wide and this tall, right? You know what I'm saying? But I watched them when they were here, right? We go back 20 years practically. So we've watched them, you know, young. And my point is, is that I know that they've wanted to be like dad. Tommy's expressed to me, wrote something, you know, in the infamous Facebook but I was glad to see it. Dad, thank you for being an example for me for all these years. He didn't know what I was speaking. Well, he kind of knew what I was speaking, but you know what I mean? And he wrote that, and I'm like, Lord, thank you for allowing me to invest in my son and my daughter and my extended family. You see, Jesus, I want you to get this with me because I, I believe this is so paramount, so important. Jesus, it wasn't about just blind obedience. With Jesus, he said, I want to be like my father. I desire to be like my father. That's why I do what I see my father do. It's not just blind obedience, but watch, let me bring this to you. Now, my father, we had a poster growing up <laughs> on the wall, and it was animated. Now, I was born in 57, so you do the math. Watch this. On the wall, we were, we were five boys and one girl. Had three older brothers, one younger brother, and then the caboose the girl. And growing up on the wall, there was a poster, and he was a king, and he had a, a sack full of coins, gold coins, and he's standing up in a tower, and all the, all the servants are down at the bottom, and he's throwing coins out, and it says, uh, it says this, um, you know, it says, follow the rules. Whoever has the gold makes the rules. And my dad said, that's me. I have the gold. You follow the rules. I'll make the rules. Now, I saw that all growing up, right? It wasn't the Ten Commandments. It was, <laughs> it was 
<laughs> you know, we didn't write the Ten Commandments over the doorpost. We had, you know, whoever has the goal makes the rules. Um, but in the midst of that, it was, son, do what I tell you to do. Now, hear, the, hear me out. When you have the heart of our Heavenly Father, He knows what's best. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts. He knows, man, I'm telling you, when I tell you to do this, there's a reason for that. Because at the end result, it could be bad for you if you don't listen to what I'm saying. You see, when, when Paul says, be imitators of me, it's because he knows what the end result is. You see, when he sent Timothy, he said, tell them these things because we know what the end result is. And Timothy had walked with Paul. He knew that what he was saying was true. And when my father was saying things, I believed that he had the best interest for me and mine. This is what our heavenly father has in mind for us. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. He's saying, listen, if you listen to what I'm telling you to do, it's going to turn out well. Let me tell you, even when it didn't turn out the way that I wanted it, when I've obeyed God, it's always turned out well. Always turned out well. You heard what I said? Maybe not the way that I thought it was going to be, but it always turned out well. I can look back after Lisa and I coming to the Lord together, by the way, September 10th, 1984, we came to the Lord together. Since that moment until now, obeying God has brought about the greatest end results in our life. You know, Lisa, we're childhood sweethearts. Ar, 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 ar. She saw me, she said she saw me in the sixth grade. We were at a retreat. And she told, she told me this later. She looked at her friends and said, I'm going to marry that boy. I'd never even met her at that time. The seventh grade, I went to her school. She went, that's that guy that was under the tree that I said I was going to marry. Childhood sweethearts in seventh grade. I said that in India one time, got all kinds of trouble because of arranged marriages. You don't say those kinds of things. I thought I was saying this wonderful thing about marriage. Uh, turned out I didn't say this great thing. But you see, but seventh grade, and then we got married two years out of, out of high school. And then, but it was a tumultuous relationship. It was crazy. It was outside of God. But we came to the Lord right before our seven-year wedding anniversary, just a couple of months before our seven-year an- wedding anniversary, because we were on the brink of divorce. Tommy was born. He was, uh, he was about four, right, Tom? And, uh, and Leah was just a thought at that time. But you see, that's where Christ, that's where his instruction brings about the end result. Let me go ahead and, and get to this. You see, if I could say this, if you'd put up the, uh, the next slide, I think. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That is what Jesus said. Doesn't that sound familiar? Who has ever seen me has seen the Father. So let's go ahead and look at the next one. I don't want to keep you guys a long time here on Father's Day. But look at this. Our Heavenly Father set the example. Christ imitated his Father. Paul imitated Christ. Timothy imitated Paul. We are to imitate who? Philippians, Paul writes, you must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. You see, our, our total example, it's not about imitating. Listen, it's not about imitating some man. It's about Paul saying, Imitate me because I have been with the Father. What I'm bringing to you is what our Heavenly Father. And when you see Timothy, you've seen me. And that's what we are to be to other people. You know, when I was just in, um, I just w- w- would like to say this. I was just in uh, India, as, as Pastor Mo said last week. And I was there during mango season. That was my fifth trip. And I'd never been there during mango season. Man, let me tell you, the mangoes 
for miles on each side of the roads, mango trees. And then they have little stands that are just, they all sell mangoes during mango season. So I ate about four mangoes every day. Now, listen to this. They don't, nothing's the big refrigeration. They don't pick them early and they ripen on the shelf, that kind of thing. They are, when they pick them, listen, they go up when they were feeding me. And and by the way, uh, Pastor Ronnie, uh, Travis, you know, was with me, as you know. They would go and he got tired of mango. It's like another mango. That's what he would say. I'm like, bring me more. They would go and they would pick it. They would pick mangoes at their perfect ripe the greatest amount of nutrients at the most juicy when you would cut the peeling the smell of mangoes would just come up how many of you love mangoes in here by the way Ooh, i got a good audience all right so watch this god says in galatians that the fruit of the spirit is you know love joy peace and patience kindness all those things long suffering now listen to this the fruit of the spirit that was his choice of word not ours right pastor mo that's him So when he says fruit, he's saying fruit at its incredible, most ripe moment is what we should be exhibiting to people. So that when they cut us open, it's like those mangoes that I was eating in India. Are you getting what I'm saying? Tommy came one time to India. We weren't in mango season, right, Tommy? And uh, he got sick on Indian food and was in bed for two or three days. (laughs) Yeah, he'll tell you about that. You can ask him all about it one day. Here's what I'm trying to say. When God cuts us open, does he get prematurely picked fruit that has no juice, no ripeness, no aroma, nothing to entice people? Or is it like the heart of the Father where when we cut open, it's like when you cut it open. Look, if you don't like mango, you got to like peaches. I mean, a peach. Oh, my word. When you just, and it drips down. you got to have a towel with you because the juice just drips down your neck, right? You, you take a bite. Take a bite, you know, how many, come on. Strawberries. We're not far from where they grow a bunch of them things that are good, right? At their perfect ripeness. You're like, oh, man. See, that is what the Bible is talking about. It says, uh, love, joy, peace. You know, it says, you know, these three are great, but the greatest of these is what? Love. The Father said, I love that we sang good, good Father, right? Why? Because that's exactly what he is. He's a good, good father. That's who I am. That's who I am. And that is what we're trying to exhibit here today. We must have that same attitude as Jesus said. When you've seen me, you've seen the father. You see? Because he was saying the same characteristics that are in him are in me. And so the same way our heavenly father set the example. Christ says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Paul says, I've imitated Christ. Timothy, he says, imitate me. And then he says, now, imitate who you're seeing. Why? Because it was a heavenly characteristic, not a man-made characteristic. Isn't that awesome? You know, fathers, as, as we're here today, fathers, we have great responsibility. Isn't that true? As believers, we have great responsibility. Because this message, as I said, is a Father's Day message. Because though we have 10,000 teachers, duplicators, we don't have many father heart people. And he's saying, as believers, I want you to have that same attitude, that same heart that I have as I have watched. This Father's Day, I believe, and beyond, how many of you want to do what you've seen your Heavenly Father do? See, that's not just a verse. Come on, that's not just a verse we quote and go, well, you know, 
I can only do what I see my heavenly father do. No, no, no. How about if we really get really broken into that and say, I really want to do what I see my heavenly father do. I was with a, a, a friend of mine here recently, and he was talking about humility. And he said, you know, Tommy, humility always wins. He said, humility always wins. And I was thinking about humility. There's only one place to really get humility, and that's in time with God. You know how you get the Father heart of God or get the heart of the Father? It's spending time with him. And I know that that is promoted. That's why you have prayer times on Monday nights as a congregation. That's why these pastors encourage you to, to always go after God, get his heart on a matter as he will lead you each and every way. It's because we want to see what he does. We want to see what our Savior does, our, our Savior Jesus, how he sees his heavenly Father. And so here today, I hope that what I was saying is not just a Father's Day message, but for all of us to have a Father heart of God where he wants to pour who he is into us and then take that and pour that out to other people in this community. Pastor Mo, uh, Chantel, I wanna, last Sunday when we were in worship, I had this sense, I said, God, they are literally on the moment of a literal breakthrough. I mean, you could sense it. I mean, my, you got to understand, I've been in this thing a little while. I could, my, my skin was sizzling. I mean, I was just like, God, there's, it's right there. I'm telling you, you guys are on the, on the cusp of something so phenomenal. You say, Tommy, we've heard that thing before. That's okay. It really doesn't matter. It's still true. As we were worshiping this morning, I heard the Lord clearly tell me, I was sitting over there, and I, let, me, let me tell you something. It's when I try to block that stuff out, and I go, Lord, that's just my mind, and then it won't go away. And then 20 minutes later, it's still there just beating my brains out. And the Lord said, this is how I fight my battles, and I believe he wants you to know that. And this church, this is how I fight my battles. I surround you. I surround you. I am the Bible. Does not the Bible say that the Lord, uh, the battle is the Lord's? Isn't that true? But as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. You see, when the enemy thinks he's got you, that's what the song is really talking about, right? When the enemy thinks he's got you, God says, no, 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 no. I got you. (laughs) I'm the one who surrounds you. I'm the one. And there's a whole teaching, I mean, the whole thing where Zion is, where Jerusalem is on that plateau. And even though they can be surrounded physically, what they have to do to get up on that plateau is absolutely impossible. When we follow the Lord, you see the enemy can buffet you. He can come, but I want you to know we have a heavenly father that says, this is how I fight my battles for you. I surround you with my presence. Just trust in me and watch me do what I do. Yeah, there's some battle out there. You know what? You can't win without having a battle. God has no ability to show himself faithful unless there's a situation where he must show himself faithful. And so I want you to know that myself, my wife, and I, we've been in many battles over these, over these years. But I want you to know that God absolutely, I'm here to tell you, since September 10th, 1984, that God has absolutely been faithful in every circumstance in our life. That was a great place to say amen. Because I'm here to tell you that's how faithful God is. Because we have a heavenly Father who is faithful. So I'm going to ask you again. If you would, just bow, just bow your heads or just close your eyes. and just, You know what that's about? It's not real goofy or hooey-gooey. It's all about just going, God, it's just me and you. But how many of you would say, Tommy, I want to be like that. 
that I want to be an imitator, not a duplicator. I want to be an imitator of those who have gone before me that have walked out Christ. And I want to be like my heavenly father. I want to exude that in my life. Come on, if that's you, lift your hand and say, Tommy, that's what I want to be. I want to be that. That's who I want to be. Fantastic. And how many of you now here today, you go, Tommy, I don't know that I've ever really thought that internally. I don't think I've ever thought that internally. How do I even be like Christ? How do, I don't even know how to do that. Well, here's a great moment to do that. Where you, do, where you have the ability to say, Lord, I've tried all my life on my own, and I've not really done a good job. When I came to the Lord at 26 years old, I realized that my life was a waste up until that time. Giftings, talents, all kinds of things. I could sit here and tell you all about those things. But I was wasting away, making wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision until God got a hold of my heart and got my attention. You may be sitting here today and say, Tommy, I, I, I want to know Jesus in that way. Come on, is there anybody in here that would say, I want to know Jesus that way? Just lift up your hand. Just let me know. Just say, that's the Jesus I want to know. I want to know that kind of compassionate heart of a heavenly father, anybody at all. Okay. Well, as we're here today, what I would like to do is just take this moment before I give it back to Pastor Mo. What I would like us to do right now is to, is to just say, Lord, I want to be like you. Above all things, if I, can, if I can, it's not about attaining something. It's about just positioning yourself to be like him. I, I want to encourage you in that more and more and more. How did Jesus say I can only do? Because he spent time with his heavenly father. And that's what God is just saying. Come and spend time with me. It's not a regiment that he's looking for. He wants you. He wants you. Just you. He wants you. And then we get to have that heart of that father. Lord, I pray that every person here, many lifted their hand and say, that's who I want to be like. I want to to be like him. Lord, that right at this very moment that you would stir them to just say, Lord, I want to spend time with you. I, I want to come to know you, me and you. Yeah, the... What Tommy described this morning and what Pastor Mo describes every week. But Lord, I want it to be me and you. That is what God wants right now. Just, just simply say, Lord, that's what I want with you. That's what I want with you. Lord, do it today. Do it today. Lord, each person that you would make yourself real in each one of their lives. As, they, as fathers today look at their children in extended families, whether they're in ministry And they look and they go, Lord, I want to exemplify who you are. I don't want to be a duplicator. I don't want cookie cutter. Lord, I want to give them the best of who I am. Lord, I want to give them the best of who you are into their lives. That's what I want to give. That's what I want to pour out. When I've had a tough day, Lord, help me to still give the best of who you are each and every day. Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, that, you would make this real to every father that's in here, here today. Lord, whether they're flipping steaks on a grill or whether they're walking through the greatest challenge of their life, even maybe losing a loved one. Lord, I want to walk out with your greatest character in my life. I want to exhibit who you are. I want to be like that mango. I want to be juicy. I want to be aromatic. I want people, when they, when they cut me open, that they just smell the greatest fruit of who you are, Lord, in my life. And they taste it and go, oh, I want more of that. 
Lord, help us to be that person in you. Every father, but every believer. Lord, we pray right now that you would call that done in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We thank you, we praise you, we magnify your name, and we call it done in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said amen, amen. How many of you can say, Lord, and you pray and put your hands together and say, that's who I want to be like. I want to be like the Lord. Amen.